Today, Swim is announcing the release of the new version of their Swim Continuum platform. We are talking to one of their developers on how you can use this platform to build continuous intelligence application for modern enterprises. Are you ready? In this special episode of Swim Streams podcast, I am talking to Rohit Bose and Simon Crosby from Swim. Simon is my partner in crime in this podcast, and he is again joining today to talk to us about the upcoming release. Rohit is going to talk about version four of Swim Continuum platform. Rohit, can you introduce yourself and talk about Swim? Yeah, um, thanks for having me here today. Um, my name is, is Rohit Bose. I'm a software engineer at Swim. Um, I'm really here today to announce the release of Swim Continuum 4.0 and to walk through some of the new features that come with this update. Um, the thing is that this is a pretty major release and it's gonna bring like a lot to the table. So I won't be able to go through all the, re all the release notes in detail um, in the time that we have. Instead, I'm primarily going to focus on the pieces that have been the most important to me as a developer at Swim. Um, during my own efforts in building the continuous intelligence solutions that we specialize in here. Let us set some context here. Can you talked about the announcement that's coming up. Can you talk about this announcement and also talk about the evolution of SWIM over the years and how this announcement fits into that evolution? Oh yeah, sure. I would be happy to do that. Um, before I dive specifically into the new features of the release, um, it would be helpful to all the listeners here to understand what Swim Continuum really is. Um, so in order to do that, um, I think the best way to go about this is to talk about the steps that a customer will take um, when they need to build a continuous intelligent application with or without Swim Continuum. So building an application using Continuum isn't really all that different from building any application that will serve up data. Um, no matter what, there are really four things you always have to consider. Um, you have to consider the data sources, um, the end goal, any useful states that can be computed from the data sources, and really a sense of loc data locality. Um, and this is kind of to prevent you from like recomputing any intermediate states over and over again. So it's crucial for any architecture for like an application that serves up data to have all of these four things in mind. Again, they're data sources, the end goal, useful states, and data locality. Before we dig in deeper, what are some of the highlights in this new product release? And why do they matter to the customers? Um, sure, I'd be happy to answer that, Krish. Um, with the latest release, Swim Continuum adds deep browser-based insights into the resiliency and performance of Swim deployments. An advanced, easy-to-use UI enables end users to monitor applications, inspect data streams, configure meaningful traits, and connect with external systems through a single pane of glass. Um, I should talk a little bit about what exactly that entails. Browser visualized introspection of a SWIM deployment has really been a fundamental goal of Continuum since day one, well before this 4.0 release. 
um, the latest release is basically adding enhancements to that. Um, the single pane of glass experience that I'm talking about here is quite difficult to appreciate fully without seeing it on the screen for yourself. But the main idea here is that the Continuum UI will fit on a single screen. And obviously you can still dive into individual pieces of that screen, but the home page like truly is a single page on its own. So this UI is very self-aware and context-aware. It knows what views and events are important, either because you programmatically tell it what's important, but usually because it can figure out a majority of important things on its own. Um, it'll bubble up these important events. In super extreme cases, it'll even rearrange the homepage a bit. But usually what you're going to see from this UI is some notion of like pulsing colors or pulsing text alerts. Um, but in effect, the end result is a very nifty dynamic dashboard. That so the goal here, Roy, as I understand it, is that we're trying to address a customer need to, to get beyond, you know, look-see to, to actually automatically find things which will be of interest, right? Yeah, that's correct. Anything that's interesting, um, and you can, you can define yourself what's interesting, or you can have Continuum do it for you. But those interesting things get sent to you. You don't have to actively look for these things. Can you give me some examples for what you're saying right now? Uh, one of the more exciting things that we're, we're happy to announce today is the addition of geofencing with this 4.0 4 release. We've always had like a sense of maps, just because maps are a very natural visualization for some of the data that we've been working with. Um, but in this new release, we're also adding a sense of geofencing in that you can, through the Continuum UI, um, outline a section of the map that you're interested in. And let's say there, an event triggered where you know, a device entered that geofence or left that geofence. Um, you, could you could receive an alert for either situation. Or maybe um, something we can add a temporal complexity to that where something stays in a geofence for too long, or perhaps it's expected to be in that geofence, but has failed to do that in a sufficient amount of time. Um, these are the kind of things that would get bubbled up to the observer. Chris, let me give you a use case. Um, you could imagine, and we have a customer which wants this, um, a use case where they say, if a truck with bad braking behavior is approaching an inspector, tell the inspector. So that's a, a good example of the geofence use case. It's really a cool thing that Continuum enables is, and it's that you know, an observer can do things passively, but still retain all the relevant insights. An observer should not have to work hard on its own um, to see what's interesting. Swim is doing all the work for you. By the way, this sounds kind of easy, but it's actually ferociously difficult because for everything in the environment, can, um, Swim has to continuously compute whether or not it is within the geofence or is approaching or something. And so it requires this massive scale, continuous computation based on data. Is it like bringing in some sort of autonomy to the systems and 
then establish guardrails so that the system stays within the policies defined by the organization. Yes, in a way, that's correct. Yes. Um, it's, I mean, that, that's a very good high-level answer. And that's probably the answer that's going to be like, relevant to most of our listeners here. For those who do want to dive down into the more technical side of things, um, yeah, you're completely right to be skeptical. Like, it is a tricky problem to solve that we have solved here at SWIFT. Um, but the reason that, well, the base reason that a lot of these things work is kind of, it stems from very early design decision that we made in the SWIM core. So when we first built the SWIM core, uh, we designed the fundamental unit of runtime to be like a self-contained, stateful, programmable object that's capable of being distributed over a set of machines rather than bound to a single machine. And these programmable objects are capable of computing insights from external and exposing these insights as streaming APIs. So we, in SWIM terminology, call that web agents. Um, and that's really our fundamental unit of computation here at SWIM. The reason for the design back then was primarily to overcome this store then analyze paradigm that's continuously present in most industries today. Um, the, there's a flow where data is collected, data is stored for a bit, and then data is analyzed from that store. So we wish to overcome that when we design these web agents. Um, we wanted the goal of dynamically deriving like pretty much any distributed application you could think of from the data as soon as that data is made available. So the reason that web agents are so fundamental to this picture is that you know, while they're programmable and therefore like anything programmable is customizable, the base life cycle of a web agent is like analogous to a state machine really. So an estate machine is completely formal and therefore it's entirely predictable. And even though part of the formal life cycle is to inject custom behaviors um, at runtime, like the whole life cycle as a whole is completely predictable. So Continuum just piggybacks off like these very predictable life cycle behaviors of web agents. And that's, as a result, you can take, Continuum itself takes both passive observer roles and active actionable roles, and all of it just works as a full stack. So in a, a use case might be with a mobile carrier um, where every single mobile device is represented by a web agent. So we might have hundreds of millions of these things and every base station too. And each one of these web agents continually processes its own streaming data, or at least the streaming data from the real world thing and represents the real world object um, programmatically as a web agent. Now, the cool thing about web agents is literally the word web, which is the object ID kind of is a URI. So we always know where they are, even if they're distributed around multiple machines. Let us say I am a Swim customer. Can you walk me through the steps I need to take to build a continuous intelligence application using Swim platform. Yeah, it's, I, I may have tried to introduce this earlier, it's, but it's not all that different from building like any served up application. 
So you still have four things that you need to consider. Your data sources, your end goal, um, any useful states that can be computed from data sources, and data locality. And these four will you know, be, a, be a question no matter what kind of application you're building. So when you have these questions in mind, um, but let's just work with the data sources alone as an example. So you really have to ask yourself, like, what, what kind of data are we dealing with? Are we coming in from a central message broker? Or maybe we're dealing directly with thousands and thousands of edge devices, like, and that's, that, that is your data source. Um, in the message broker situation, you know, a common problem is you're more likely dealing with far fewer consumers than you are with producers. So how are you going to ensure that you avoid a backlog? And in the second situation, you don't really have that problem because you don't have a message broker at all. But now you have a question of like network connectivity and making sure that every one of those data sources is still feeding stuff to you. So where continuous intelligence really introduces its own set of tricky issues to think about is, you know, it's not just the data source. I mean, there's other questions you always have to keep in mind. So more broadly, how do you consume the data at least as quickly as it's being made available, all the while continually undergoing like the non-zero cost of transforming this data into useful state, possibly even persisting it, maybe, maybe not. Um, and then all the while ensuring both correctness and the availability of the end result. It's not an easy question to answer, but where Continuum really comes into play is while you're both developing it and as the, as the end result, um, it gives you a level of confidence that you couldn't really get without Continuum. The way it so, does that is by providing critical visibility, control, and statefulness guarantees. That and it just leads, gives you an otherwise unreachable level of confidence. One of the powerful things about the SWIM is that, you know, if you draw a simple analogy between, say, web agents and actors, one of the most powerful things is that these web agents get created from the data. So at runtime, so the developer might develop a relatively simple app relating objects between each other, right? But the scale of the app is determined at runtime by the different number of data sources or whatever that show up and start sending data. Is that correct? But the, yes, that is exactly how it works. Where web agents, you know, they're, they're defined statically, but they're generated on demand. Kind of like how in object-oriented programming languages, you'd have, you can define a class as your codes, and you, within your code, you define classes statically, but you instantiate objects um, separately, like on demand. And the same idea happens with web agents, where you, know, you define all the behaviors at once, but um, the, the actual instances of these objects are created as the data comes in. So it's a highly dynamic runtime. And we frequently do end up with hundreds and millions of these things. Um, one of the huge benefits of the SWIM runtime is it's, it's always better performance-wise to, like, to program your web agents as the 
as you would like visualize the problem at hand. So it's not a question of, you know, you're limiting, you're losing out on resources by distributing the problem. Um, so for, let's, in a very specific use case, um, since it's hard to kind of discuss this without an example, um, let's say you wanted to build a real-time app that collects data from every vehicle on the planet. Um, in, in traditional architectures, one may conceivably um, end up dealing with the idea that they need to break these abstractions a little bit. So they shouldn't create a separate entity for each vehicle because there is a logical and um, machine cost to that. Um, here at SWIM, like, we get more benefits, in fact, by just treating the problem as it is. Um, and that's in part has to do with how SWIM paralyzes its computations, but it's, it's also just easier from a programmatic perspective. Is there a limit on how much you can scale using web agents? There is always a theoretical limit in how much a single machine can compute. But that's kind of the beauty of like this web agent-based architecture, where since these individual um, agents are kind of elements in their own vertically integrated stack, um, these things can distribute across a cluster of machines. So the idea is if you're seeing a machine lagging or because you know, it's just doing too much compute, then you can always add on a second machine and distribute the web agents over that space instead. And you can do this in runtime. And in fact, with the latest Continuum release, um, we've added some tooling in the UI that lets you do this through the UI as well, rather than having to stop and restart the application with a new set of configurations. What are some of the benefits Swim customers are gaining by using Continuum platform? Yeah, so there are quite a few additional UI things that we've never had before. I may have briefly talked about the um, new geofencing on the map already. In addition to that, we have this tree view, which is kind of like the, um, the view that you would see in your file explorer, but um, it's very useful for visualizing logical aggregations of your web agents. Um, something we haven't really talked about yet is even though web agents exist as their own entities, you can always form logical associations with them. For example, um, if you were interested in a use case considering all the vehicles of the world, you may logically want to group, group the ones that are in the same country together or maybe the same city together and so on like that. Um, the tree view comes in a ton of handy for use cases like those. If I sum up the benefits from this release, they are user experience improvements, geofencing, how Swim platform props up important information so that you can set up notifications, etc., and some operational advantages you mentioned now. Are there any other user benefits uh, customers get from this version of the platform? Yep, there's one more really big one, in fact. Um, what I was talking about earlier were usually we're more focused on like the passive role. So, you know, once an aggregation is made, it's really a passive thing that exists until it's actively changed otherwise. Um, but the continuum itself can take on more active roles too. So we've already talked about how it bubbles up important events. Um, that's still kind of like an observer pattern. But one, one new thing that we 
added in this new release is the ability to, through the UI, um, dynamically add behaviors within the swim runtime. So for example, you can um, define a set of behaviors that could be added to web agents, but aren't statically added when the app starts up for the first time. You can add those dynamically at runtime. And, and a hard example of that would be, let's say you have like a statistics trait um, that you would, that can be used to compute averages or maybe like some measure of spread, like standard deviation. You want to add those, you, you can like compute those things on data that exists in web agents. Um, you now you don't have to you add it statically like we used to have do in the past before this 4.0 release. Um, what you can do is, so you have this trait in existence, like it's, it's defined. If you start up the application without this trait, let it run for a while and then suddenly later on decide that you are interested in applying this trait to web agents, you can certainly do that now with the Swim 4.0 UI. Let's dig in a bit more. You gave an example where we could track all the vehicles in the world. Can you give more examples from Swim customers on how they're using the Swim Continuum platform for their needs? So for NDA reasons, I can't share the exact industry use cases, but I can talk about the sense of scale and real-time nature of these use cases, and most importantly, how they tie into like a continuous intelligence paradigm. Um, so a common reason that a company will reach out to us, and it's actually probably the single most common reason, is when they have tons of data available, but they fail to derive useful insights from them. Um, so a traditional architecture will typically allow for a pipeline that derives insights from batch data. So you, this is again ties back into that you know, collect and then compute model from earlier. But a problem with this is you know, you're calculating insights, but from a different time and therefore a different context from when they might still be useful. And it's this context sensitivity problem will always be a plague with, uh, with traditional architectures, no matter what kind of data straight transformation algorithms you use. And the reason for that is it's not a problem with data availability. Like the data itself can be completely perfect. The algorithms can be you know, completely foolproof, but it's really the ability to compute the right context from the data by the time that it still matters. So for example, let's say that we had a factory that is monitoring machines um, and there are some algorithms that can tell you, like based on the machine's behaviors and inputs, it can tell you when a machine might be close to failure. Um, so that's good and all, but um, in traditional architectures, we'll make these computations you know, well after well, at some, some time in the future. But what if that time in the future is past the time that the machine has already failed? So you still get some insights from that, but they're no longer in the sense of a useful context. Like you can, you can go dig through these logs and figure out, okay, given a context that looked like this, we were able to see a failure that looked like this. And then you'd have to go through the additional effort of you know, being able to replicate that context 
so it's hopefully I'm making myself a little bit clear here in that you know when you're not dealing with continuous intelligence you you always lose out on some very important contexts essentially you are making a case that if the data is not processed in real time they are losing out in a big way am i correct you know the i think the thing here with real time chris is that you can never get insights at a great resolution than your data but you should be able to see at the resolution of your data right that is you should be able to compute and deal with all data um as it is produced the computing is driven by the arrival of data yeah instead of storing the data in a database and processing it i am storing i am processing the data as and when the data comes in and the time i save could be the difference between life and death is it so and and the the benefits are amazing so i want to be crystal clear here uh by comparison with say reaching out to a database this mode of computing is a million times faster and i mean that literally right because we're talking about a tr- a transformation from hours to milliseconds and by keeping everything in memory and um going at cpu memory speed you avoid the cost and the pain of dealing with databases except for you know persisting insights perhaps and so you typically end up saving 90% of the infrastructure cost it's unbelievable can you talk about how swim platform is used inside an organization across multiple teams yeah um this sense of collaboration um lends itself nicely due to web agents in that you can easily have like multiple teams working on different sets of web agents at a time um so if you have a very broad industry use cases that touches on many different um kinds of you know objects or fundamental pieces to like the infrastructure um you would you could conceivably put like different teams working independently on these um you know different pieces and you know the code doesn't overlap because web agents are themselves um pretty isolated code ones so um there's like collaboration can happen but at the same time independent development can also happen so i would offer a slightly different view on this which is that for the enterprise developer the writing a java based object oriented plat- um application which is really simple because it relates just to say we're going back to my previous example one it's a section and it's neighbors uh, instead of a whole city right so they're writing relatively very simple programs um and swim take care of all the underlying complexity related to scaling the application continually scheduling all these web agents and allowing them to safely compute and deliver their results so it's an easy approach to adopt it's a very modest um increment on object oriented programming and every enterprise developer should be able to get it this release is definitely interesting 
I can't wait to come back another day and talk about how customers are using it. We are coming close to the end of the podcast. And Rohit, as a developer, what are some of the trends you are expecting to see in the next three to five years? Well, this may be a biased answer, but one of the things I do want to see happen in the very short future is for industries to shy away from these traditional architectures of you know, separate compute, separate storage, all of that stuff, and really focus on a web agent-like architecture, if not web agents themselves, an architecture that realizes the advantages of like these vertically integrated stacks and, and having those as the fundamental compute. Um, the reason is that we get just, I've been able to write applications here at SWIM that I don't fathom like could be done any other way. And it's not just me saying this. Um, one of our Fortune 100 customers that we've, I've had the great opportunity of working closely with has had the same problem where he's, he was, well, our contact with that company was primarily a data, data architect that was actually able to like architect a pretty impressive set of data feeds, but it was always the same problem that he would be getting stuck on, which is, okay, now that we have this impressive vast set of data, how do we derive useful insights um, from that data that don't expire by the time that they're computed? Um, and like SWIM is really the perfect solution to that just because of the continuous nature of our applications and insights. And it was a few, just a few months of like growing pains and getting our stuff deployed into their environment. But at the end of those few months, um, we were able to get a POC working that dealt with millions of endpoints. And his excitement over the phone for finally being able to visualize the same data that he had worked so hard to architect in real time on a map and continuously computing new insights, like the same insights that he was trying to compute but had always failed. Like you could really feel his excitement simply over the phone call. So this is the kind of stuff that we live for here, where you're taking problems that seem impossible and using the stack that we've worked so hard to build and just been able to solve these problems in very elegant ways. Um, like it was not only instrumental in developing this thing for the first time, but Swim Continuum really is the end result that's being used by this company now. I would just add that, you know, we've moved out of the big data era into an era where data streams are boundless and data's useful lifetime is ephemeral. And so we have to continuously compute. Otherwise, you're stuck with this legacy store then analyze approach and the insights are too slow to be useful. So computing as data flows is the only way and that means stateful computing, computation in memory at CPU memory speed and then paper so you get um, you know, insights in what we, what we would call real time, which is in sync with the real world, no matter how big the app globally is just fine for us. And you get it a million times faster at, um, you know, using only 10% of the resources. 
It was a fabulous conversation and a very interesting product announcement. Thank you, Rohit, for taking your time and uh, talking to us about the announcement. And thank you, Simon, for helping me out in podcasts like how you do in every other Swim Streams podcast. Thank you both. I also want to take this opportunity to thank Swim.ai for supporting Swim Streams podcast. Please visit www.swim.ai to more, learn more about their platform and how it can help you develop real-time applications. Thank you.